Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Buddy, and I am your host, and I have a really good show for you today. I'm still buzzing a little bit because I just finished an interview with Stephanie Valdez-Streety, and the purpose of her coming on the show was we were going to talk about used EV battery health and how to ensure that the battery's in good shape before you purchase the, the the vehicle, right? That's really important. But we ran the gamut. We talked about the Inflation Reduction Act, which I forgot the inflation part, and I had a little pause, so look for that little stumble. Um, but it, it just went – Stephanie was so knowledgeable. It was so fun to just travel from topic to topic with her and discuss – all things EVs, not just batteries. It was a great talk. It was a great conversation. But alas, no one wants to hear me talk about how great a conversation is. Let's go ahead and listen to the conversation. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. I am very excited to chat with you today because um, this is one of the things that uh, the topic that we're going to talk about is EV batteries. But this is one of the things that I'm concerned about as a soon-to-be uh, purchaser of an EV um, and more specifically used EV batteries. But before we get into that, can you get, just give me a little information on yourself? Yes, thank you. So I've worked for Cox Automotive. I've been at Cox about 10 years most of my career at Cox has been focused on sustainability. The last couple of years moved into the mobility role, really looking at electrification, autonomous, connected, and shared um, innovation. And so really the last probably six, nine months focusing on battery health. So it's really excited about that. And prior to Cox, I worked at Nissan North America. So I've been in automotive a very long time. I'm passionate about the industry and excited about where it's going. And uh, we talked briefly about this before we started recording, but you work for Cox Automotive, which is if you go to Cox Automotive's website, it's absolutely huge. And a lot of people know 
the brands of Cox Automotive, but they may not know Cox Automotive them, it, as a, an, an entity. Can you tell us a little bit about Cox? Yes. So Cox is part of Cox Enterprises. So you might be familiar being in Phoenix of Cox Communications. That's our sister company. But automotive um, started more than 50 years ago. So Cox Automotive first started with Mannheim. It's wholesale marketplace. Uh, we have so many different brands, as you mentioned, we have um, some of the brands you might be familiar with is Kelly Blue Book, Auto Trader, Dealer.com. And really Cox Automotive is there really to provide marketing solutions, retail, wholesale, marketplace solutions, financial solutions. So pretty much the entire ecosystem. When I think about Cox Automotive, I feel like we touch so many different parts of that ecosystem. The only thing is we don't build the vehicles, but we touch them at every different point. So it's it's an amazing company. We're privately held. And the one thing that I really love about the company is its DNA. It's a purpose-focused company. Our CEO always talks about um, you know, leaving the next gen, preparing to leave the generation in, in a better place. So really focused on environmental, sustainability, community, diversity, inclusion. Meanwhile, providing really good solutions for the automotive for our customers. Oh, you know what? You just said so many things I didn't know about <laughs> Cox Automotive. I actually didn't know that they were uh, uh, sisters to uh, Cox Communications, yes. which mm-hmm. is what we're talking on today. With the price of EVs coming down, one of the happy benefits is the price of used vehicles coming down. And besides battery health, what considerations when somebody's looking for a used EV, what, what should they be looking for? Yes, I think one of the things, the key thing is really understanding what your driving behaviors are. So how much range do you need? Because the more range, the more expensive the vehicle is going to be, right? And so I think as a consumer, just trying to figure out like what's your driving habits, uh, what what kind of temperature, you know, you live in Arizona, you said, how does how is weather going to impact that? But once you figure out what that range is, price point, start to look about what vehicles are in that price range. And I think key will be, as you mentioned, the used EV. For the first time, we have a used EV incentive, which is 4000 for vehicles over 25000 Although if you look at the average used vehicle price, I think it was like 32000 I might be off, don't quote me. But so I think there's some opportunity there to, you know, for this incentive to be available, I think those prices are going to have to go down. Um, the other thing to think about when you're buying a used EV is the warranty. How much is remaining in that warranty is going to be important. Uh, what's if the battery been replaced? So maybe the history of that vehicle as well, which you can get um, auto check, Carfax, stuff like that, I think will be important. And then I think also, depending on your lifestyle, where you live, the access to charging. We did a study. We've been in multiple years in the top five barriers have always been around access to infrastructure, price of the vehicle, price to replace the battery, and then also too tied to the battery itself, the ability to hold its range and um, the ability to hold range and the ability to hold the charge. So I think as a consumer, just really getting better educated and, you know, hopefully going to a dealership that's um, educated on this and really learning about those different options of EVs that will suit your lifestyle and your price point. So if someone uh, does the things that you recommended and they pick the best EV for them in their price range, what steps should they uh, follow to kind of verify the condition of the EV before buying? And you mentioned a little bit of uh, Carfax. 
Is there anything else uh, if they're buying from a private seller and let's say not a dealer? I think I think the best thing would be if you're buying, like, I guess one thing for like the incentives, you have to buy at a dealership for that to be valid. But if you're going to a private seller, I think the one thing like in terms of the batteries, you probably know up to 40% of the vehicle value of that vehicle. So it's a high priced asset of that vehicle. So knowing the health of the battery is going to be key on a used EV because you could have a vehicle that has, you know, 80, 100,000 miles, but amazing battery versus one that has 25,000, but it's been driven very fast, fast charging and cold, warm temperatures. So I think understanding the battery health is going to be key. So I think if you're buying it, the one, there's a couple of things, you know, if you charge the vehicle to 100% and you're able to see what's the charge for that vehicle, that's going to give you one indication, but that's only with the vehicle saying, I think the next step is depending on the vehicle that you're interested in buying, taking it to that dealership from that franchise or an electric vehicle specialist to really interrogate that battery to get some more history on it. I think that's going to be important. And over time, and we'll talk about this later, I guess, but I think having a third-party independent battery health test is going to be important for uh, adoption long-term for used EVs. And that leads me to my next question, which is Cox has developed a new tool to inform consumers um, kind of how the battery is doing. What's the health of the battery? Can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, I'm really excited about that. So we um, have this battery health tool that originally the impetus for that was we at our auction saw, this is a few years ago, well, probably more like COVID kind of gets the time lapse, but probably like five years ago, just to see the Leafs or different vehicles going through and buyers not understanding like what's the health of that battery. So that's where that was the impetus. And we acquired a company called Spears New Technology last year and with them, develop this battery health tool. So we have an algorithm that um, pulls data from the battery and then it feeds it into this algorithm and then creates a score of one to five. And so we've been piloting this at our Mannheim auctions. And so we had um, the first form factor, I'll have to send you a picture of this, but it looks like a refrigerator, it was big. And you had to connect it three different points and it took about 10 minutes to get the battery health score. So based on feedback from our auction, we have a new mobile enabled app that's connecting to the OBD2 Bluetooth capability, extracting that data, feeding into the algorithm and feeding it to a one to five score. And so we're in the process now of piloting that um, soon at our Mannheim auctions. But I think that's going to be really important because it's scalable, it's easy to use, and it doesn't takes probably less than five minutes to get the test. And so we're really excited about that. And there's other, I think, opportunities outside the wholesale. I think the use cases are just unlimited when you think about whether you have a fleet, being able to know over time when to inflate, deflate those, what's the TCO, how is driver behavior impacting the battery health. So the more and more data we get on the battery, we'll be able to start to unlock insights that can really help determine servicing or recommendations. Does this tool, it services the overall battery. Does it do each individual module? Can it tell you that there's a bad module or? Yeah, it's going into the cell. So it's reading, it's going into the, so, so the current, like the current state right now is getting, what we'll be able to tell you is what from a one to five score, the health of that battery, but also what is the 
um, range of that vehicle current state compared to new. But over time, we're going to be hopefully be able to tell that. But Spears New Technology, our company, um, they have location in Oklahoma. They actually they can go in and determine what sells. So they actually a um, little bit of a tangent, but our whole battery life cycle, that's the key to, you know, EVs, taking care of that battery, optimizing the first life, um, determining what's ready for second life, and then recycling. And at those locations, we do the first phase of recycling called black mass. But at that location, when a battery comes in for servicing, they can determine if a cell needs to be replaced really specifically for that battery. So we have that ability to do at our S&T facilities. That's really interesting. Do you know, uh, are you familiar with Gruber Motors? Gruber Motors? Yeah. That sounds very familiar. They're here in Phoenix and they uh, refurbish uh, model, uh, the original Roadster, and now they're doing Mm -hmm. Model S's and X's. Uh, They do a lot of battery work. And I don't know if that's a, a company that uh, you guys want to look at and not for testing, but they they have a ton of these older vehicles and stuff like that. Oh. I, I could see them being interested. No, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, we're always looking because I think that's the key right now, right? Everything's so new. It's like partnering, collaboration, and getting as much data as we can to understand what impacts these batteries. I think it's going to be very important. And I think... It'll be interesting too. Like we don't even know right now how different chemistries, right? Like historically, you know, lithium iron phosphate has been the predominant, but as we start to get more more technology, solid state, you know, is that going to house? I mean, that's going to increase more density, um, hopefully reduce fire stuff like that. But well, how does that in terms of battery health? How do the how do the different chemistries compare? Will be interesting right. to see over time. What are we going to see? Longevity versus density, that kind of thing. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, Gruber has got a great uh, YouTube channel, and they have a really good TikTok where they just talk about basically battery stuff and this this, this technology that started, you know, in two thousand what ten is when the Roadster came out, something like that. And they have a wealth of knowledge. So, um, and they're really nice folks. Yeah, that'd be yeah. I'd love. I'll reach out to you to connect me with them because I'm always looking for opportunities to learn and share information. Same, same, same. So when if, if somebody comes, obviously they can't go to a Mannheim auction house, which we have here in Phoenix. To, uh, they can't just go and say, "Hey, can you check this battery out for me?" When do you think this is going to be available at? Uh, auto shops or even somebody who just wants to uh, tinker and buy their own? I'm hoping soon. I can't give you a definite Uh timeline, but I think that's like right now, as I mentioned, we're in the wholesale of doing some testing there. But meanwhile, simultaneously looking at what are the, like in prioritizing the segments, right? Like, as we mentioned, there's opportunities for the dealer, for fleets, um, for insurance, auto shops, I think. So hopefully in the next year, we're going to start to see a lot of momentum around this. I think the key too, is we talk about for dealerships, you know, when they, I think, well, for the dealership use case, understanding the value of that vehicle, right? So if they're getting a trade in or they're selling a used EV, how to value that. So I think the valuation is going to be so critical um, for these EVs. And, And once again, as I mentioned, the more data we get, the more we can start to see that. But I'm excited about where it's going. There's a lot of 
new entrants into this marketplace. Like you just said, in Phoenix, there's people doing that. There's a lot of um, companies, um, new startups looking at this. OEMs are looking at battery technology. And so I think as a company, how do we partner with everyone to figure out the best solutions for this? Yeah. And I would imagine that, uh, I mean, you still have to triage a battery, like if you're going to recycle it, but being able to look and say, well, it looks like this module over here has got four bad batteries and this module has got six and everything else looks okay. There's a lot that you probably don't have to individually test each of these, these cells in the battery packs because, you know, there's thousands right. and thousands right. of cells. Right. Um, it might help uh, in terms of, of recycling them faster or getting them into a new product, whether that's a, uh, a mod from a ice car to a, an electric car or whether that's a storage battery pack or whatever, uh, for electricity. Uh, you mentioned, uh, that Cox, uh, the, the, C- the CEO was, uh, big into, uh, the environmental, like what, uh, what we're going to leave behind when we're gone, right? What, what's going to be our impact. Can you tell us about some of Cox's initiatives in that realm? Yeah, so our company has very aggressive sustainability goals. We have a carbon and water neutrality goal by 2034 and a zero waste to landfill by 2024. So the end of next year, which is around the corner. We also have a lot of investment in, it's called our clean tech division. So looking at sustainable farming, um, nexus fuels, you know, how do we reduce plastic, stuff like that is very important to the company. And when I think about our company, as I mentioned, the acquisition of Spears New Technology and setting up these EV battery solutions, I think that's one of the ways we're really helping to create this circularity, sustainable ecosystem around EV batteries. So, you know, trying to make sure that we're trying optimizing the first life, as I mentioned, and then doing that recycling. Because I think it's going to be so critical that we're, you know, can optimize the life because the longer an EV is on the road, the greener it is. I did some research. This is, you know, as we know, things change every month. But when I did the research a couple of years ago, I found that to build an electric vehicle, it takes twice as much carbon. And it takes about um, 500,000 gallons of water to mine one metric ton of lithium. So there's a lot of different environmental impacts from EVs, but those can be offset, right? Once you um, drive an EV, this is on average about 17,000 miles. That's where it starts to offset. So the more you can drive that vehicle, the greener it is. And then also it's going to be important that we continue to green the grid. So when you're charging, is it coming from renewable energy is going to be important. And then lastly, as I mentioned, the recycling so that we can minimize the mining. I think those are going to be some important things that as a country we start to work on. And I'm excited about whether it's the Inflation Reduction Act or the funds that are being um, allocated towards battery manufacturing. I think the U.S. has about 13 gigafactories. Right now, they're going to be in flight to be implemented. So I think that's going to be really important to build up a resilient, sustainable, and economical supply chain to support the EV growth. Yeah, that's you be can critical. say one thing about the battery uh, or the uh, the reduction act. <laughs> if you can say one thing about it, is it's really pushing those manufacturers to build here and to source from approved countries. 
Yes. I mean, I think it's, I think it's, you know, exciting that we have this because it's um, one of the things that's removed the cap, right? So the 200,000 caps removed, you have the 7,500 um, incentive. And then as you mentioned, there's this other like 3,500 for mineral and battery manufacturing, which I think if I think about the IRA, it's, it's a great thing. I think it's starting to, um, I think education is going to be important that we did a survey last year and found that two thirds of the respondents weren't aware about the EV incentives. So I think around the incentives, it's going to be important for an education component around that. I think dealerships can be a really important partner in doing that. And I think for the um, going back to the specifics around it, the battery and mineral um, production incentives, I think those, I think March is when they're going to have more guidelines around that to provide more clarity. Because I think also there's some confusion sometimes what's eligible, what's not. That is 100% true. Uh, one of the things that I do on the show, it's usually a Tuesday episode, which uh, is what yours is going to be. But one of the things I do on the show is I we talk about uh, the earnings calls. So I'll listen to the earnings calls and I'll pull out what's relevant for this show, not financial stuff, but tech stuff. And back, uh, not this last one, but the one before the Q3 earnings calls, almost to a CEO, they asked, do you qualify for these? And they say, we're still looking into it. We don't know yet. And that's pretty sad uh, in terms of, uh, I don't know if that's a, a, a call on their, their supply chain or if it's the rules in the United States are so confusing. But I just thought, I just stopped talking about the Inflation Reac- uh, Reduction Act because it just seemed like every couple of weeks it would change into something else. And I was like, I, I can't keep up with this stuff. I'll wait until everything's in stone. No, you're right. It's so confusing. And, you know, I one of the things I've done is the National Automotive Dealer Association. I was I've given, given a workshop on getting EV readiness. And that's some of the feedback I get from the dealers is like when consumers ask about that, it's confusing and it's hard to really explain. Because to your point, you know, now there's the income caps, right? Uh, and then the MSRP caps. and I mean, those seem to be consistent, but then I think the real confusing one is that mineral and battery production, who's going to be eligible for that. And then to your point, also with those MSRP caps, what vehicles are actually eligible? Yeah. And then you have the EU and uh, South Korea also adding in of like, hey, man, I thought we were cool. Right. Right. Uh, right. You're not going to accept our cars anymore. Um, Yeah. uh, Right. I, it could have been handled better for sure. Uh, you mentioned dealer, the dealer association. So I don't hear about this as much, but I started this podcast six years ago and someone would go in to look like, look for like a Chevy bolt, right? There wasn't a lot of EVs six years ago. And uh, the deal, the dealers or the salespeople would push them towards something else, especially if they didn't have a bolt in stock. Is that still happening or has that have, have people like educated themselves a little bit more? I think they're starting to get more education, but I just spoke last at the end of January and still getting the same questions. I'm not, not feeling like they're ready to sell the EVs. And I the fortunate thing is they're starting to come, right? It's not like they're in a day with a bunch of EVs, but I think there's still a lot of learning to be done and the sales staff to be educated on really like being able to talk about batteries charging infrastructure i think that's the other one like how do i charge and i think that's and then also i think the other one is 
the, as I mentioned earlier, the barriers price point, like if I'm going to, the, hopefully in the next couple of years, we'll start to see price parity between e, EVs and ICE. But right now, you know, the average EV, new EV was dollars $65,000, very expensive, right? So I think being able to talk about the total cost of ownership, so being able to talk about what you're going to be saving on maintenance or um, charging versus using gas. So I think some of that is what I've been hearing from dealerships, really being able to understand that so they can provide that information to consumers that come into their dealership. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> a, a year ago, not quite a year ago, I test drove a um, Mach-E, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I scheduled my appointment online because you, you had to schedule it online with the dealership. You, there was no other way. You couldn't call in. You couldn't walk in. It's like scheduled online. And a little bit of that was remnants of COVID. Uh, so I go there. I show up. And they uh, they say, oh, our EV salesperson isn't here. But somebody else will take you. And then we got in the car. And the, the gentleman didn't even know how to open the doors to the car. He knew nothing about <laughs> the car, which was fine. I was not there to... I was there to evaluate and see what the dealers were saying to customers, but I wasn't really there to uh, beat anybody up. I just really wanted to experience the car in addition to what it's like to be sold a car, right? Um, But yeah, there's one person in the entire dealership that was an EV certified salesperson. So you've lived it. You've seen firsthand. And and the thing is, like, when you... One of the things I advise to dealerships is like when a consumer walks in, you want that whole experience, right? Like go in, be able to test drive, be able to be educated on the vehicle, be able to test drive it, and even being able to have charging as part of that experience. Oh, sure. But I think I think that's to your point. Yeah, there's, you know, I think maybe some of the um, OEMs are starting to offer more training certifications. So I think over time that's going to start to increase the knowledge base of the dealerships. But yeah, you have a perfect example of kind of what's going on in the industry. Yeah, and I'll even go a little bit further into that is the some of these new cars, newer cars, they're all touchscreen and then they have features nested in menus, nested in menus, nested in menus. And if you're trying to explain or as we're driving down the road, you're you're flipping through, you know, I found myself being distracted because the, the gentleman was trying to find the stuff. Um, and I did not come away with a very good uh, feeling about the interface. Now, um, I did this show with uh, another gentleman named Howard, and he drove it, and he was on the on the East Coast. Uh, he drove a Maki as well, and he had a totally different experience. Uh, and it was a, a fairly positive, from what I remember. So, yeah, overall, I mean, it really makes. It, it makes a difference because for a long time I was like, you know what? I don't think a Maki is for me because I don't like the the way that they set up their interface. It's changed a lot and it's a lot better, but yeah, that that it could definitely sink a sale for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That whole user experience. You know, one thing I wanted to add, going back to like battery health, uh, I think the other thing that's going to be important long term is having maybe it's um, certification. You know, we did research and we found that consumers it went from 33 to 65%. So if the EV used EV had a certificate, if the, the, um, it increased from, yeah, from 33 to 65%. So just proof point is showing that consumers, if they have some kind of certification that the EV battery is healthy, they're more willing to buy that used EV. 
So I think over time too, that's going to be important for dealerships or whoever's selling the UCB to have some way of showing whether it's a battery health report or something to show the health of that battery. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Is that something that uh, Cox is looking at long term of like this is a Cox certified battery at whatever level? I love that idea. We're not, you know, we have I don't have anything to respond to that, but I love the idea of being able to do that, being, you know, that industry standard to really do that. Yeah, it's like having an Intel inside on the on the outside of a computer box. Yeah. The, the other thing, this isn't related to battery health so much, but it does relate to UCBs and is the whole equity around electrification. I think that's going to be key. You know, we want mass adoption of EVs. And so I, you know, fortunately we see OEMs providing or building a lot new EVs at different price points. We have the incentives. So I think over the long term we're going to be able to see different price points. But I think that's going to be critical to ensuring that we have mass adoption of EVs for I think the long term success of it. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I I love what Chevy's doing or GM's doing with the Equinox, right? And it's thirty thousand dollars start price. Uh, Mary Barra recently had a quote that said um, she said that she wanted to make a twenty percent margin on a forty thousand dollars vehicle. And to me, that's that's great. Like I want GM to make money. I actually know people that work for GM. I would love them to stay employed. <laughs> but on the <laughs> other side, I was like, can can we make an eight percent margin on a thirty five thousand dollar vehicle? Like, can we start moving this down? And and they are, you know, uh, with the Equinox, they are pushing that price down. But I don't believe that. I don't believe for a second that that thirty thousand dollar Equinox is going to be as readily available as some people might want. Right, right. It's going to be the thirty-five, thirty-seven, you know, forty-two thousand dollars Equinox that's going to be most available at dealerships. Right. No, that that's a good point. The other thing I think about from the equity is the charging. So, like, if you depending if you live in a home and you're able to afford a you know level two charger, but if you live in a multi dwelling location and you're having to do public charging, like, and I don't have any data on this, but the cost of that versus home charging, right? So your cost to charge might be more if you're not able to do home charging and you're having to use some public charging. So those are some other things, I think. And you've probably, you've probably read stuff about charging infrastructure, about, you know, key things is that it's, you know, interoperable, that it's functional. There's been reports that you know, I think it was out of San Francisco, you know, 33% of the time when a consumer went to charge, it wasn't functional or operational. So those are some of the, some of the kinks that we're working on, but I just, uh, you probably saw recently Biden made the announcement for the, um, for the infrastructure. It has like, I think it was 98%. It has these metrics for anyone that's going to get the funding to build out infrastructure. So I think that's going to help with some of that. Yes. And then, uh, going, I, I can nerd about this stuff all day. Uh, I, somebody sent me a, a Mastodon, uh, link and somebody was complaining that e- there is no EV goes in the state of Michigan where there was a couple of days ago. So I looked into it this morning before coming on the show and, um, EV go is decommissioning hundreds of, uh, DC fast chargers because they want to replace them with something else. But they they have such a uh, a problem. They're just getting rid of them before they have the the thing in place to to replace them. But it doesn't matter. They don't work anyway. So there's a whole uh, article on Inside EVs about that that came out. So I got the I woke up. I got the text. I looked it up, and there's an Inside EVs article like right there. 
So it's definitely an issue. And I've seen on Twitter, there's a, there's a really good um, Twitter account to follow. It's called rate the charge and it's by uh, out of spec studios and people will just talk about where they're at and are the charges working or not. And then how well they're working. And some of them are videos and some of them are just little, little updates via tweet, but it's a really good thing to follow if you're, especially if you're traveling. Um, and then on a multifamily dwelling, um, there is a company called orange charger. Oh, I've heard of them. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, uh, Nicholas and Jonathan are uh, two guys that I've, I've spoken with in the past. They're amazing. Like they, they definitely want to solve the fam, the multifamily home charging. So if people out there haven't heard that episode, or if they want more information, I think it's orangecharger.com. dot com. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out some more. Did is there anything I should have asked you, Stephanie, that I just didn't? You know, I think we covered everything about just the different things to think about when you're buying a used EV and the importance of battery health for adoption, price, you know, hopefully that's going to continue to go down as we, uh, in U.S. importance of U.S. building supply chain. But I kind of like you, this is fun stuff. I could talk about it all day long and it's, it's, it's exciting because it continues to evolve and a lot of things that need to be um, resolved, but I think we're going in the right direction. And excited, especially like I mentioned, I worked at Nissan when the Nissan Leaf launched. So it's nice. It's amazing to see from that time when the Leaf was launched to where we're at now in terms of just the range and the um, just the performance. The one thing I think I know we um, probably got to go in a few minutes, but I think, you know, I think we talked about range anxiety. And I think over time, as consumers get more educated and vehicles have longer range, that's range confidence is happening. I think it's the dwell time is trying to figure out like, how do we, as a user, right? Consumer used to go into gas station, filling up takes five minutes. I think I'm starting to hear more of that from a concern for adoption. I don't want to, you know, spend all the time charging. How's it going to, you know, interrupt my road trip. So I think that's another thing that we'll start to see more and more innovation around is the increased of charging ability without degradation to the battery. Yeah. You know, that, that is just like, uh, you know, let's take this back to car salespeople, right? So if you're, if you're trying to sell somebody a car, they have an excuse and you overcome that hurdle and then they have another excuse and they have another excuse. Uh, because nobody, my kid, she's 27 and her boyfriend, they travel all over around the United States. They work remotely. They are, they stay in Airbnbs and they never, they hardly ever, I shouldn't say never, they hardly ever charge on a level two charger. It's almost all DC fast charging, which is not great for their battery. Um, they do the best they can with it though, but uh, they don't have any issues and they were in the snowpocalypse and they were still able to remain charged. And the only thing that kept them warm in the entire time that they were in Texas for this event was they were able to be in their car and then they could go to a level two charger at a hotel that was up and they would sit at the level two charger all day. And then they would drive back to their Airbnb that they couldn't stay in because it was too cold. And then they would be able to uh, just sit in the driveway, <laughs> which sounds awful. I love that story. I love, well, it makes me think too, like as we start to see more and more, you know, battery storage, these vehicles, electric vehicles powering, you know, we've seen commercials where, you know, you can power the Ford Lightning powering up things. And, you know, I think, I think long-term with the EVs too, the battery storage is going to be something that's going to help with grid stabilization. So I think all that's going to continue to evolve as well. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think uh, Texas, especially even this year, there wasn't quite as bad, but there are some issues in Texas as well. But yeah, I definitely I, I have solar on my house. I want to get batteries, but um, it's twenty two thousand dollars, and that's kind of hard to convince your wife when you have a stable grid. <laughs> it's like, what if it goes out right. someday though? Uh, just one day it could go out in the summertime. Uh, but really that would just mean we'd drive somewhere else and stay in a hotel, I guess, but still cheaper than $22,000. Yes. <laughs> well, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for like a really nice conversation. I really appreciate it. No, this has been fun. How can people find you? Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn, Stephanie Valdez Streety. And I uh, my email as well. It's stephanie.valdestreedy at coxautoinc.com. And I'm open to conversations about EVs anytime. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, I hope you have a wonderful President's Day because you came in on a holiday to have this conversation. So have a wonderful President's Day. You too. Have a wonderful day. Keep uh, cool in Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> Man, was that a good interview. That was such a good interview. Stephanie is so knowledgeable about this. Uh, It is so much fun to talk to somebody, A, that knows more than you do, and B, is a genuinely nice human being. So, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'll put Stephanie's information in the show notes. And in addition to that, I'll put Cox's website in the show notes as well. All right, everybody, that is it for the show this episode. I want to thank Stephanie, and I want to thank Pia for setting this up. Pia was great to work with on this as well. Very knowledgeable, very patient, and very understanding. So thank you, Pia. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively. But not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs driven by Bluebotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability. Because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more. And if you haven't checked out my other podcast, Shuffle Playlist, yet, 
It is uh, a podcast that I do with my buddy Chris. The episodes are less than 10 minutes long. Sometimes they're less than seven minutes long. They're really short episodes. And we talk about one band, one song in that short time frame. And there's clips from the song. It's a lot of fun. The latest song is uh, Muse, or the, the band is Muse, and the song is called Bliss. So I'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. Thank you, everybody. I hope you all have a wonderful day, and I will talk to you on Monday. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively. But not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs driven by Bluebotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability. Because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more.